0: Hey guys welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I am joined by the author and traveller Adam de colobus He's written the book Caravan that he released this year. It's a historical fiction um, and he's basically on to talk about it and we talk about a few other things as well in the process. Just a little quick insight into some of the things we speak about in this part because this is part one of two. Part two will be out at this same time next week. So in this chat basically we discuss a great many things. Oh, we speak about different countries and different cultures um, why adam actually decided to write his book his love of storytelling and his writing process Um, we talk about our love of reading um, how writing short stories can be different from sort of writing novels and things Um, our mutual love of history comes up we speak about that Uh, the importance of having reasonable perspective in all walks of life in certain ways and things like that so that sort of thing as well as a few other things as well that we discuss but that's mainly what we talk about in part one so if you like the sound of that keep on listening now, there's links in the description to everything that um, sort of is to do with Adam. Um, we've got his website, um, his blog with the short stories, where to find his book, his Instagram. So those sort of things that you can find in the show notes of pretty much everywhere it is embedded. I think uh, Spotify may not be, but still, uh, that's basically where you can find everything. And then before the chat gets started, there'll be a quick promo by Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. So make sure you, get, you know, check those guys out. Uh, Woody Overton is an amazing host. So, you know, check that out. And that's just about it for me, guys. So make sure you follow on the usual social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Find me on all the usual social places. You can find the podcast anywhere, really, like Spotify, YouTube, if you desire, and anyone listens on YouTube. But obviously, most of you guys listen on uh, podcast apps or Spotify and things. But um, yeah, uh, after the chat, I'll be back just to have a little quick mention of what's going on in part two, as well as uh, what's to come in the future, and a few other bits and pieces. But um, yeah, that's it from me, guys. So um, thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I'll talk to all of you uh, at the end.
1: I'm Woody Overton, host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Join me each week to hear true and unscripted stories of the cases I actually worked during my career as a major crime investigator in South Louisiana. Go to realliferealcrime.com where you can listen to each week's episodes and find links to our social media. I appreciate y'all. Don't let me catch you down on my bike.
0: Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. I am joined today by Adam I'm um, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's going to be a good time.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, I heard you uh, speak on um, like a couple of other podcasts and things like that. Um, So, And you sound like a really interesting guy. And obviously the book is being a a big reason for our uh, conversation. So yeah, I'm really chuffed to have you on. Uh, Thank you so much. Um, So if you want to just briefly as like a little almost uh, auto bio of just yourself, just so people have a vague idea, and then we can kind of crack on to more detailed aspects.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, as you mentioned, my name is Adam DeCaldis. Uh, I was born and raised in California, and about the only thing that I really grew up with an a immediate passion for was storytelling. Um, it's just something that I was immediately drawn to, and uh, writing was the first outlet for me to pursue that. Um, and I, I kind of followed the, uh, the usual writer's story in the sense that it's just something that I did as early as I can remember, and, uh, you know, along the same lines, you know, like my first reader was my mom. And, um, I remember just, uh, you know, sitting at the table, writing these pages and, uh, when she would get to the end, she would tell me that, you know, it's like a cliffhanger and she wanted to get to the next slide. <laughs> um, so really early on, I've, I've had this, I've always had this, uh, relationship with writing and knowing that other people are going to read it and, and getting a real, uh, large sense of reward and passion out of that. Um, And so uh, as a teenager, I decided that I was going to take this seriously as a a career and as a passion. Um, And since then, I've published a a novel which came out last year um, in July, and uh, I'm currently working on another one. Wow. I
0: mean, that's amazing. And you can already tell by sort of how passionate you are about all these sort of things. It's always one of the things I love about uh, my show is being able to talk to people who I can see are passionate about things that they want to do. So uh, with that um, aspect, if you want to just briefly, um, just like Caravan itself, because that would be a big focal point. Um, I obviously know the synopsis and things um, because I've looked into it a bit, but if you want to tell the audience just generally sort of what it is and um, to to my logic, it's a work of fiction as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Caravan is a story. um, A good way to to conceptualize it is um, it's the film Lawrence of Arabia meets The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. And it's a story about this photographer who ends up uh, taking a a camel caravan across the Sahara. Um, And along the way, he gets to uh, work out all these problems that were caused from the First World War. Uh, problems that he had and along the journey he has to um, make a very important decision which will end up defining the rest of his life
0: well that that does sound intriguing immediately from the get-go that sounds incredible (laughs) I mean it's obviously I remember you saying previously uh in in a different podcast that essentially uh the book itself although it's fiction uh, a lot of it is influenced by not only people that you've met but also your own travels and things So, so obviously you've traveled quite a lot as a well you've traveled a lot in your life
1: yeah, yeah. Um, when when I was a kid as well, I got to. I was fortunate enough to travel a lot to South America and a bit to Europe, and uh, something about that it just ingrained in me very early on that the world was just so full of of really interesting people wherever you go. You know, they could be the person who makes your coffee at your regular you know coffee store just down the street, or they could be someone in the Amazon jungle that you never knew existed. So yeah, just a a very early age a mixture of wanting to write and being extremely interested in people and all the different ways that they can do things, uh, just got really ingrained in me as well. Well,
0: well, yeah, I mean, that that kind of perspective from such a young age is so important for people. um, Because one thing that it's very easy to do for people is, you know, walk through your daily life, walk down the street, see people going to their lives, whatever, driving, etc. And you kind of, it's very easy to stay within your own bubble and kind of be like, the people directly near me are in air quotes the people everyone else is kind of like the background noise so i find that from traveling from such a young age and having that sort of perspective i imagine it really well, really helped you quite a lot as sort of getting older and things
1: yeah yeah it did uh one of the things that it, it really um you really mentioned that in a really good way yeah it does get you know regular life you do feel kind of like you're in a bubble and uh, when you travel a bit, when you go back home, you know, it's hard for you to ignore that those people are still there mm. <laughs> all over the world. So it's like the more people you see and the more places you go, um, the more you become aware of how uh, how big the world actually is and, and, you know, your own your own sphere as well. You become more aware of that as well. Mm,
0: Yeah, it's a very good way of putting it. And so if we kind of um, go back to sort of more more into your earlier life and things uh, with the writing as well as the traveling. So what sort of places, so you mentioned South America and Europe. When you were young, um, what sort of age were you generally when you did a a lot of the traveling? Was it sort of uh, teenage years or a little bit earlier than that?
1: uh I, yeah it was a little bit earlier um i did a a large majority a majority of it when i was about five or six mm. um and then and then when i was older uh in my in my teenage years i got to travel a little bit to europe and and russia as well
0: Mm. Oh wow Russia I've never been to Russia How's that
1: <laughs> you know, it's good it's uh the food over there's amazing and the people are just uh you know i think that was one of the most surprising things you know of course they they you know there is some truth to the stereotype that they are very um they're they're very welcoming and very uh hospitable and very kind people.
0: Mm, yeah, because obviously they are, when people live in a lot of these uh, countries or areas that are a lot more, uh, they have a lot more fierce winters and things, obviously Alaska over in America is one of the, the big ones and things, the people are a bit more, they're a bit more hardy in some ways, but they're also a lot of the time a bit more uh, of a community element in a sense, you know, there's is, is slight alterations, but they're still very, you know, very welcoming and very nice and kind of things, but then yeah, they've got that community element bringing them together because, you know, when things get tough, it's not as easy as, things are okay. If, if your power goes out and you've got no heating and there's a big snowstorm going on, you have to talk to your neighbor. You you have to have some sort of uh connection there with these people.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I totally agree with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting. And so meeting all these different people, uh it's it's weird that as you say, obviously when you're young and you travel a lot because myself um, I travel quite a bit when I was younger as well with my parents and things um, I'm, I'm obviously based in the UK and um, I've only really traveled around Europe um, except I went to Mexico earlier in the year and that's the only place I've been outside of Europe and Mexico is amazing but um, apart from that I've been yeah around Europe Spain, France, etc like that and even then you notice simultaneously the world is so much bigger and so much smaller because it's it's bigger because you, you go on a plane, you travel for, you know, ten, twelve, fifteen, whatever hours in a certain direction. Not for Europe, for me, that's only a couple of hours. But um, <laughs> you know, generally around the world, you can go so far on a plane and then you land and you go in the same breath, the people are really, really different, but really, really the same. And it's it's so strange
1: different cultures, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, man. That's um it's gotta be one of my favorite things about about traveling is Um, you know, besides the going to, to a different place, just that whole feeling of like your life being reset. Um, my, my favorite thing is the people I love seeing how, how people act in different places, um, as well as just their cultures and and the little innuendos, the little things that, um, you know, like only Sherlock Holmes would notice, you know, I like to, Mm. I like to pick up on little things like that. Um, and yeah, man, that's, that's spot on. It does, it does feel like, you know, the more you travel. The more, um, you know, the larger and the smaller the world feels all at the same time because you know the whole world is really just a, a couple hours away. Um, but at the same time, you know, it is it is on the other side of the world. So um, I guess that's one of the one of the amazing things of being able to fly and uh, uh, do all those things. Um, and also, whenever I go to a new country, I like to imagine how long would this have taken me if I was. Uh, you know, like 200 years ago. If I was born 200 years ago, you know, this would have taken me quite a long time. <laughs> you know, I, I like to think, uh, you know, because it wouldn't even take me a day on an airplane. Um, I probably wouldn't even have gotten, you know, out of my state. You know, if I was on a wagon by then. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that that mixture of of connection and and also just gratitude as well is is something that I I always like to look for.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a perceptive uh, shifter as well. But it, it's funny, I'd not. I've obviously thought about the fact that when I go to other countries how long it may have taken to some degree but it is, it is interesting because even when I go to um, if when I've been to Italy my, my girlfriend's part Italian so I, I went to Italy recently and saw her family and things and you know on a plane it's like maybe two hours so plus all the faffing in the airport you know like a few hours time but so you say if you got a boat from England to like France or something I mean and like the, the boats that weren't the boats we have today you know a lot older sort of boats you know if it was like a rowing boat with me and her with like a backpack <laughs> just like go across the english uh, channel and things and then get to france and then yeah you say if you if you want on even horseback or anything like that it would take you so long because like my dad used to drive down to the south of italy um because we used to hold it down there quite a lot and he drove down there once and it took him yeah like driving was like 20 or something hours or 30 hours of driving and it's like oh, that's a really long time but when you think like <laughs> in america especially or even in england when people used to travel by foot from the south it's like game of thrones is basically all it is it's like everything <laughs> takes so long because they just have to walk <laughs> or horse right everywhere like if, if they'd have played it would the whole series would be like quarter of the leg it is that's a really interesting perspective that's a really cool thing to think and um so obviously we, we mentioned i think i can't remember mentioned before the recording or after but um you've traveled to uh, 17 uh sort of different countries so obviously in, russia was one of them in parts of south america what what are some of the other ones that you visited as well
1: uh i've been to um i'd say about an equal amount of countries in south america as as europe uh you know i've been to i've been to england and and france and you know all the all the real popular countries but um also i've been to brazil uh argentina Uruguay, uh and all those other countries um so i've you know in that in that same sense i've gotten to see the, the uh, touristy aspect of travel, I've also got to see you know, some of the more um, uh, adventurous and uh, interesting places to go as well, sort of the overlooked places.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's that got to be... It's got to be a balance, really, of, of what one wants to do, you know, because I'm I'm not really one for, like, going over to Spain and just sitting by a pool for, you know, two weeks and just yeah. eating food and getting <laughs> drunk. Like, I haven't... I like doing those things, but I like doing that in in doses. Like, when I went to Mexico, I was there for 10 days, and we went to five different excursions. Um, so one was to see Chichen Itza, one was to go swimming with the whale sharks, like these sorts of things. And it was, it was incredible. It was absolutely amazing. But it's like doing doing those things in the in-between days it was basically like i don't really want to sit by a pool and get, you know have loads of alcohol and things it was more so this is just a break for the next uh excursion in a sense you know yeah and I, I i agree with you like um it is going abroad and like i i said i went to italy recently with my girlfriend's family's italian so i went there and they live in a uh sort of a village right near a big town and things but it's still not it's not like in England, like so overly commercialized, McDonald's at every corner and things. And it is right. interesting because obviously everyone there speaks Italian, barely anyone speaks any English. So it's like being there while I don't speak Italian is, but my girlfriend obviously does, it is, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I wish I could learn all their language and things and, and speak it and I'm, I'm trying to. Um, but when you're just around people who, When there's not that level of tourism, there's a level of sort of honesty that you can kind of see, especially when you go to these rural areas. Because as much as I like having touristy stuff, you know, it's always nice to go abroad and then you're just really fancying a Coca-Cola or something specific. And you can go to a shop and you just get one. But it's like you say, when you go away and holiday, the change of environment is such a a breath of fresh air and it, that comes with that a lot of the time is the fact that you can't just have whatever you want immediately it's just oh i can't have this thing let's try this other thing let's try these other things they had like we got really into coffee in italy because they have espressos they're really tiny coffees and things which haven't like every meal or before and after every meal and it was, <laughs> i come back and i'm like a massive coffee addict because i just it's, it's so good so um so b- bouncing off th- those things i want to we'll come back to travel in a moment and things, but I want to ask, obviously from early on when you said you wanted to be, um, you have been writing a lot when you were a kid and things. So going through your life, did, was it specifically you always wanted to be like, a, a, from being a teenager, at least wanted to be a, a writer. And that's kind of been what your heart's been set since then. Or was it more, you had your goal on like a vague writing job and you kind of fell into the book. Like how did your idea of the future mix in with actually writing this book?
1: Hmm. Um, well, early on, uh, I knew that I wanted to be some kind of storyteller, and uh, you know, of course, i thought of film because the way that my mind works is is just extremely visual. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just when I think of a story, usually the first thing that comes up is just an image, and then from there I I, I flesh it out. Um, so the the visual aspect of storytelling is what came first, but writing as well was available. So I uh, uh, writing was the first one that I was really drawn to because. Um, it's the one that I did the most and, and I felt most comfortable with. and I knew that uh, you know I read a lot as well as a kid, so of course I thought, hey, you know it'd be cool if I could write books. Um, so, so book writing and, and being a novelist was really the first one that I was attracted to. and and then when I was a teenager, I decided, okay, hey, you know I want to to turn this into more of a, a more than just a hobby. I'd like to turn it into a career.
0: Mm, and how long did it take you to write the book from saying i'm think i'm going to write a book to actually essentially sending it off to the publisher as a, in uh, a sense
1: i think it took um gosh i think to to write it it took about four years um mm. and then to publish it about five wow uh, yeah, uh, that's... All, all together it didn't take me nine years um yeah, yeah. but yeah so about a about a year of, of production time but um Actually, yeah about about four and a half years to to do the actual writing
0: hmm, i see and, and in regards to this sort of storyteller part and obviously being a v- very visual person have you uh experimented with i mean doing your own podcast or doing audio books or anything that is uh obviously writing a book is absolutely incredible as well but i was thinking have you considered any other avenues to go down sort of the world's oyster essentially what, what sort of uh avenue did you want to pursue
1: hmm uh, you know, I've, I've, I've toyed with the idea of film, but um, writing is just, is just my passion. It's just what I love to do. Um, I have, I have, uh, in the same avenue of writing, I've uh, written some other short stories, but for the most part, um, novel writing is just, is just my passion.
0: Mm. what's your writing process if you don't mind me asking sort of how because i've spoken to quite a few authors and they have slightly different ways of doing it some of them just kind of think about things and then when soon as something pops to mind doesn't matter what they do they drop everything go write, come back while others are a bit more regimented in the sense of i need to write for an hour a day even if it's rubbish and then edit that and things so what's your sort of what was your process when you were writing caravan
1: um yeah so the process was uh uh, it definitely went through every every phase possible um (laughs) When I when I wrote the first draft, um, I, I wrote it all out by hand because that's actually just how I, I wrote it. And um, little did I know it was going to turn out to be a, a pretty big book. Uh, <laughs> so I wrote about uh, 400 pages of, of just a, a first draft by hand. Wow. And after that, I, I completely rewrote it on the computer because now that I had just the, the basic idea of it out, um, in the second draft, I really tried to flesh out what the book was about, um, and just get to the real core of it. Um, and usually what I try to do is I, I whenever I go into a story, I try to clarify the ending. And if I was the reader, what I'd like to feel when I put that book down as clearly as possible. Um, and then as I'm writing, I try to make all, you know, everything have a, a purpose leading up to that. I go you know micro to macro and all the way down to you know everywhere in between. I like to think, okay, what's the whole story? Break it down into the chapters and then down to the down to the sentences. Mm. Um, so in a way, it can seem a bit a bit uh, regimental and a bit um, disciplinary, but there's also that flexibility where I don't try to force anything. So if I'm writing it, I think, gosh, you know this, this doesn't work at all. you know I, even on board, I wouldn't want to read this. <laughs> Like, okay, well, you know, that probably wouldn't be a good idea to put it in there. So, um, a, a piece of advice, I don't remember where I got this advice, um, but a piece of advice that I pretty much live and die by is uh, you feel what the reader will feel. So, mm. if I'm writing something, and I feel incredibly excited, then I think, okay, hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing my job because this, you know, the reader's going to feel something uh, hopefully pretty close to what I'm feeling. Um, and then whenever I, I get into an area where, uh, you know, the words just don't, don't seem to be coming and time is uh, slowing down, I try to ask myself what I did wrong and how I can work it rework it so that it is exciting. Um, so I do set a word count. I do have a, a daily goal for me to hit and I, I go for my deadline. Um, so when it comes to the actual production of it, just the physical, you know, getting my butt in the chair and writing, Um, I do get, I do get disciplinary and pretty hardcore, but when it comes to the writing, I try to have as much freedom as possible so that I can work out the truth of the story and, and, um, just really make the story, uh, efficient. If that, if that makes sense, um, Mm. where everything just has a a purpose and it's, it's, it's not just, uh, frills or fluff, but it all Mm. drives a, a clear point in the story.
0: I see. Almost like, uh, in lack of a better way of putting it, like cutting the fat in a sense. Like it's very easy to have a, a story conflated with details which, you know, there are d- there are details which are add to the visuals, add to the plot, add to, you know, the experience itself. But uh, as you've correctly sort of stated, in a sense, is there have been other works uh, of literature that I've read where the core story is brilliant and about, you know, maybe two thirds of the book is just on point. But there is just, as you kind of say, that that fluff. There's just occasionally you're kind of like, come on, where's this going? And then you finish the book and you go, was that whole chapter on whatever that didn't really that didn't add to the plot, it didn't really add to the visual, kind of damage the pacing a bit. So it is good that you are looking at it with that sort of lens. I mean, do you, do you read, I mean, you say you're a storyteller and you were writing a from a young age and things like that. Do you uh, find yourself reading books quite a lot?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, when I was growing up, I'd read, you know, I read avidly. Um, and actually the first book that I read um, that really convinced me that I wanted to become a writer uh, as a as a as a career was uh, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho um, because when I put that book down I just felt like wow if I could if I could pursue this and somebody could pick up a book of mine and then feel anything close to what I'm feeling now then uh, you know all the trouble it would be to go you know to achieve that would be well worth it. Um, so yeah I, I do read a lot but there have just been a couple books that I put down I think that's why that's why I write <laughs> um you know there's there's some that are very uh reaffirming of what I'm trying to do um so yeah I, I I do read a lot
0: well that's always good I mean I found myself not reading as much with you know Netflix streaming services and all these sorts of other things and obviously picking up podcasting as a hobby I found myself having a lot less time and I would always find an excuse to not read um for a while and it was I love reading. Like I used when I was a kid, I used to read all the time. I was, um, I'm sure you're probably the same. Where you know, your parents would tell you to go to bed when you're like, you know, ten or whatever, and you go to bed at like eight o'clock, and then they go to bed, and then as soon as there's not enough, there's no more movement, you just flick on the light and sit there and read for like hours, and then my parents would like come in and be like, "We're going to bed now." It's like eleven thirty. You're like ten years old. <laughs> go to bed. You can't if you if you stay up any later, we're gonna unplug your lamp. Like you have to. Like, okay. <laughs> so I remember, I, remember uh, I was doing that. I Imagine you were quite the same as a kid.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah oh uh, yeah oh uh, that's a great story yeah
0: it's, it's just one of those things where but i kept making excuses for myself not reading and then where i've been going um abroad a little bit more with my girlfriend and things obviously being on planes um i try and read a lot more when i'm traveling and stuff like that And then what i've started doing recently is but my girlfriend she's a teacher she has to get up earlier than i do each day um so we generally go to bed when it's best for her but i i can't sleep for normally an hour and a half till um, after that so i started reading before bed and i used to do it all the time and i love it now but now often it'll be like it gets up one in the morning and then you know, my, my girlfriend might like, turn over and be like why are you still awake like <laughs> i've had a full sleep cycle woken up just for a second and i see you're awake like you need to go to work at six hours like just one more page please <laughs> <laughs> when you get one of those books that you just can't put down it, it, oh. it is it's magical it's almost like um it, it's it, i think it's so healthy for one's imagination to read because it's like tv is amazing you know you watch it as they basically it's like being spoon-fed you know sort of a world and imagination but when you read you put your own mental spin on things in a sense you know
1: absolutely yeah uh actually that's a great that's a great um metaphor for it it is like you're being spoon-fed and when you're reading it's like you're making the whole dish you know uh you just open up the recipe box and you go for it um but yeah no, I think that I think one of the reasons why um reading is so enjoyable is because you get you get just the bare minimum um mm. you know you get just the the essentials and then you can build this whole world in your mind um and I think that that you know I don't think you know I don't think nobody can say that they don't have an imagination because if they've ever read a book, uh, you know, if imagine something, then there you go. (laughs) They, they have an imagination. So I think that uh, reading, it's a great, um, I don't want to use this word, but I think it's all a great tool for exercising your imagination um, and all these different scenarios. I think it's the, you know, pretty much the greatest tool for building empathy uh, mm. as well ever. You know, there's some books where, you know, you think, gosh, you know, how would I, how, you know, why would I ever uh, sympathize with this guy like Dexter, right? Mm. Or how would I uh, sympathize with all these guys who are, who are crazy? And that's because when you get down to a book and, and even just storytelling, you get to break down um, the elements of these stories and you can get to see things from a different perspective as well. Um, and that's you know combining traveling with writing. Kind of dipping back to uh, traveling earlier, I think that mixing those two is is one of my favorite things about writing. I love a story that um, not only makes you use your imagination a lot and it shows you all these different things, but it, it kind of taps into the real the real world as well, and it shows you different cultures and how how things are done differently as well. Um, because it just you know it is like you get to travel. Um, on the side, as well as you're reading this book, you get shown this really interesting story, um, but also uh, how all these different things are done.
0: Mm, no, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's funny you say about the whole traveling, connecting with the the reading thing in an empathy se- uh, sense, because I, I completely agree. Like I was actually, um, when you were uh, going to finish off your point, I was going to add in. It's very similar you link that together. So that's perfect. It's It, it is... It's one of those things I think today is lacking in a lot with, there's a lot of issues in modern society, but I think empathy is the big problem. And I think if more people like to travel and have different perspective on life, and then obviously people read and kind of literally and figuratively put yourself in someone else's shoes when you're reading, you know, especially if it's from either a first person perspective or even if it's just following a person around and it's like, blah, 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 thought this, blah, blah. You know, e- even that sort of scenario there that's so important for people. And sort of, linking off that, I'm interested to see or to hear about what are the short stories you've sort of done? And I, I seem to recall in a previous podcast you did with someone else, it was, um, it was the Canned Air podcast. I forgot the name for a minute. I just want to be like, not, I sound like I'm trying to sneakily, like, you're on other podcasts, but don't check them out. Just listen to this one. No, it's a Canned Air podcast. It's a really, really good listen. I recommend people go check them out. Um, the Canned Air, it was, it was really cool. So you were on one of their shows quite a while ago now. So you have to go back a little bit, but I think it's on your website, which I'll include a link to as well. But um, you mentioned on that you have, um, I think it's a blog with short stories. So I'm, I'm interested to hear more about this sort of blog. What is it? Who do you do it with? And the sort of short stories you release?
1: Yeah. So, um, the, the name of the blog is uh, Third Lion Stories, and it's it's based after my um, publishing company that I started. It's the same name. And uh, what I did is I, you know, as I was in between writing uh, Caravan and the book that I'm working on now, I I didn't want to drop the ball, so to speak, on writing. I still wanted to keep the juices flowing. And one of the ways that I could do that where I could still get in that um I could still uh, exercise my imagination, so that then when I went to the next book, is I would write short stories, mm. and and also because it would, you know, besides just being an interesting form of storytelling as well, because you have to get, you know, really down to the to the essentials. Um, I think that the reason why I chose it is because it could also help me hone my craft and really uh, get effective at storytelling. Um, and as I did it, I kind of fell in love with it. I, I, I enjoyed it, and I wrote uh, a couple short stories. I thought, hey, you know, I wrote these short stories. I think they're okay. You know, it'd be a good idea to, to put them somewhere. Um, so I started a, a blog, and I thought, hey, you know, I'll bring on some other authors who, who I like their writing. Because um, during that time as well, I was also reading a lot of short stories. Um, and I reached out to, uh, I believe, about four or five authors. Um, and I said, Hey, you know, I love, I love the work that you've done. I'd love to collaborate with you and and put up some short stories. And, and that's pretty much what we did.
0: Yeah. I mean, what sort of, with your short stories, are they also, uh, fictional in nature as well? Or what sort of genre are they?
1: Uh, they're, they're, they're fictional in, in nature. They're not surreal or anything, but, um, they, I try to, uh, uh, touch on the real world as well, kind of really ground the reader and then show them a different perspective on things. Um, And just sort of like hey, you know pull them behind the curtain and then and then go back to reality Uh, (laughs) so I that's that's a kind of storytelling that I've always really liked especially in the short story form that kind that uh, uh, Really grounds you in one way of thinking and then just completely turns the table and the whole story is different And then you Mm -hmm. return to that Um, so that's that's a kind of storytelling that I like to use for for those short stories, but I I my main, you know, my main, just uh, my first love and my main passion is just the novel writing because, um, while I really respect short story writers because they have to basically get the same um, concept and the same passion that you'd have for a novel and boil it down to five hundred words, um, <laughs> I which is incredible that somebody can do that and do it well. I think that novels and you know books that that have more room to play with you just get a depth that uh, I think you can't find anywhere, not even in books or in, in, uh, excuse me, not even in film or um, anything else, because you can just get to a level of literally what the character is thinking. um, That's just so deep.
0: Yeah. I mean, with short stories, one thing that I've always thought of is the, I, I'm not a writer. Just to clarify, if, and everyone who follows this podcast would know I'm not, I'm not a writer. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy re- uh, writing, and I've toyed with the idea of writing it, uh, in the future at some point, maybe if I somehow magically get loads of time. But um, the this short story thing, I, I've always thought like I had the issue when I was in sort of school and things, and having to do you know writing short stories for English and things like that. And I remember the, the hardest part for me was the creating the character and things, but not because. I find it quite easy to create characters. Like I've played Dungeons and Dragons and things before. And with that, you have to create your own character and backstory, etc. And you know, I'm a, I like playing video games, watching movies, blah, 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 blah. There's lots of different places where I can absorb, uh, information, uh, from and create characters with elements from. But it's like, it's, it, in some way, it's almost easier making like a novel or like a full on, uh, book or maybe even a book series. Because as you say, you can, you can flush out those characters. You can, you can be like, okay, this is a character who is, just bad and then this is their the story is a transition to being good and that's like a whole thing whereas with a short story it's like okay i have to have this compl- character that's complex enough to be thrilling and interesting and put them through a journey that may or may not even change them but i have to work that out as well but be finished with it and when i put the final full stop I have to basically throw all that away. And it's like, that is, that is so hard too. I, I imagine it like, um, you know, the monks who spend hours or days or whatever, uh, like doing lines in the sand and making like a really nice sort of sand image. And then the whole point is once you've finished it, as soon as you're done, you just blow it all away and it's all gone forever. <laughs> that sort of, that was mental fortitude to be able to do that. Cause of me, I'm like, no, I don't want to throw this character away. Like they're amazing, but I can only use them in this snippet. So and using them, as you say, with, um, as an exercise, it, like, um, so in between uh, writing sort of the main chunk of the books, is it is it like I kind of imagine it this is now getting to video gaming. With video games, if I go on a game for ages and I get stuck, that's almost like parallel to getting like writer's block in a sense. But then if you go away and do another game for an hour or two or a day, or you go away and write another short story, when you then revisit the initial part, for, for gaming at least I always find something just clicks and it's like, oh man, no, I know exactly what to do. Is it similar for short stories in that way?
1: Um... I I honestly I I don't know how other writers are, um, but for me, if if I just stick it out and I stay with it, I can usually work through it. Um, mm. Usually, if I'm writing on something and it's incomplete, and I start working on something else, I completely just fall in love with the new thing, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, so it's like I'd switch games completely. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how how other writers, excuse me, other writers work. Uh, but whenever I'm I'm. You know, I, I actually I think I I answer your question wrong. Um, I do think that yes, you know, writing writing different stories and and you know playing around with different concepts and then returning to the main one you're working on that could be a very healthy exercise uh, because it can also you know detach you from from where you are. You know, while you're in the creative process, you can just have your head down and you know you just got your blinders on and you're going. Uh, but when you work on something else for a little bit, I think that it can be really healthy because you, you get that 3000 foot view and you think, okay, Hey, you know, that is exactly what I've got to do. Um, mm. so I, I do think that that's a really good way of putting it. There's a lot of, uh, you know, something that I, I think is just the general truth is that, um, you know, they're just these things that carry on, carry over to pretty much anything, uh, you know, like even from gaming to writing or, or, you know, to business or whatever. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that that's, uh, that's true.
0: Uh, And still keeping with the writing uh, stuff, I'm I'm interested, um, you may not be able to speak about it very much, and that's fine. But what can you tell us, if anything, about the new novel that you're working on?
1: Uh, Yeah, so um, the most I can tell you about it is that it's actually, it is going to be set in Italy. Um, It's going to be set uh, during World War II, and that's that's Mm -hmm. as much as I can tell you right now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's that's completely fair enough so with um obviously with your first book the uh a theme of basically it's obviously the traveling but also uh, the characters been in world war one as you say and there's a, a lot of that sort of um history flavor text in in a way of putting it of just kind of adding a lot to that current story by using the elements from the characters previous life and etc um in the war and obviously with this new book being about world war Two um am i right assuming you have quite a thorough history of uh, a thorough enjoyment rather of history
1: I do um, I, I do really enjoy history uh, because I feel like one way I like to think of it is that it's the you know history contains the worlds of science fiction that actually existed and actually happened uh, because I like to think of you know if you get a time like you know ancient Rome if you think about that as existing now it's it's such an interesting you know society to study and such an interesting period in time to study. Um and yeah, you know, I do have a really deep love for history um because it just it I, I like to ask myself, what would life be like for me if I had been born, you know a couple hundred years early in this you know strange village in Scandinavia? Well, history has all the answers, right? Um, um, so I, I get a lot of a lot of ideas just through, reading about history there's just so many interesting things literally everything has happened under the sun um so i do find a lot of inspiration in history as as well just as just a lot of interest um because i, I i'm just fascinated with why people do things mm. why there's you know these constants in history you know uh, like religion and all these other things just spread over wherever uh but also like these really um just regional things as well like why do you know some people Uh, you know, in in Italy, you know, speak this certain dialect versus this other people. Um, So, and I think that when you get to the history of it, um, you can, you'll, I don't think we'll ever be able to find all the answers, but I think that you get, uh, it's kind of like detective work. You get a little bit closer to getting to the truth of why, um, of why people do certain things. Um, And also, I think another question that I like to ask myself is, And and not to get existential, but it's like, how did I, how did I get here? Right. Mm. It's like, you know, and if you, I I like to answer that question in an interesting way. Well, it's like, Hey, my, you know, my descendants came to America. They came from Italy. If we, you know, roll back, roll back the the clock, you know, they would end up in some very interesting places. Um, So whenever I look at like a photograph of, of an old town or a photograph of, uh, of, of just people in a city. I like to imagine that, you know, if, if those people survived, their descendants are now just walking around in the world, that I've probably seen, you know, the chances of me seeing, you know, the center of those is probably not that rare because of the family. Um, mm. So yeah, i um, to put it, to put it simply. Yeah. I do have a, a large love for history.
0: Yeah I mean I can I can tell I saw the light in your eyes when uh the buzzword history came up I saw it it was great <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean I I'm a massive lover of history in fact yesterday i I was in London you know with my girlfriend for uh she wanted to go to this languages uh thing to of teaching as a little conference thing and went to the natural history museum uh oh. after that and she mentioned I think I think in New York there's a as a history museum, a really big one, the Smithsonian. Is that, do you know, Have no? if, if that's New York, I'm, I'm terrible. With, I mean, America's so big. I get so confused.
1: <laughs> but, no, I'm, I, I live here and I get confused. <laughs> uh, no I, worries. I think, it, I think it might be, yeah.
0: Yeah. Some sort of big ass history museum. There's l- several of them anyway, but um, we went in there, we went in there for a couple of hours. We've been there both several times before, but it's so huge. You just walk around and you're just like, I mean, obviously you go back to things like the dinosaurs and stuff and that's crazy, but then you go to human, you know, the last, 200,000 years of humans and then sort of you go to the early hominids and things like that and you just go you see all this all the history and there was a really there's a really interesting thing at the museum where they had um they had like this big hourglass essentially and it was um it was not a moving hourglass it was, like representational and it had a, these little beads in there and each bead represented 15 million years and it was beads that sort of before um earth was a thing beads while earth was a thing and then beads sort of after and it's got all this it's really puts things into perspective and then it shows you that only like a couple of these beads was even vaguely what like one bead was like humans didn't exist started to exist and are now here and it's like the, the blip of how short we've actually been here but when you look at sort of recent history with sort of uh actual humans and civilizations and stuff you look at like the egyptians and as you mentioned you know um the ancient romans and the greeks and all these sort of things and you look at them and you just go it's if you could have some sort of power to kind of you know put yourself in a big bubble and then just travel through time and see stuff i mean it, it would just be so unbelievably exciting to be able to see how some of these civilizations were made and how some of them you know ended up dying out essentially and, and as you say history has got the answers to probably every almost every question we'd ever need apart from you know the ones like science you know you can't say you know I can't say, what's going to be the next iPhone? Let's look at ancient Greece. It's like, that's not going to work very well. But it is that, that, that love of history is something that I want to instill whenever I end up having children is, I don't, it really bothers me when people say, oh, history's happened in the past. It's a matter. It's like, oh, it's so wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you know, definitely. Because, um, you know, when you, you know, of course I'm a big believer in, you know, don't dwell, don't dwell on the past, you know, mm-hmm. you know move on. But uh, I do think that you know when you do think about the past, um, something else that it does is that it makes you realize, dang it, man, I've got zero to complain about. Uh, you know, if you read, you know, some things that are like, oh, hey, this is what the life expectancy was. You know, hey, forty-five. That's how that's how long you're gonna live. You're like, hey, you know, I'm doing I'm doing okay. You know, I'm not being chased by a tiger. You know, hey, I'm not gonna be sacrificed. Life's good. Um, so. Yeah, that's another thing as well. Is that uh, like storytelling? Um, history can can really build empathy and that you're like, you know, you you see evidence of where people have lived, and you think, you know, somebody lived this. This is somebody's kid. This was somebody who um, you know lived and was alive. You know, just as much as me. And this is the world that they lived in. And um, you know, I. I also like to use it just as a tool for gratitude, just like, Hey, you know, this is uh, you the know, fact that we get to, you know, you're in, you're in England. I'm over here. The fact that we get to have this conversation, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, this had, this didn't exist for, for, you know, like you said, like with the beads, this is just at the, at the, um, you know, just at the very tail end of time, you know, of, of, of our existence. And I think that, um, you know, using history for more than just memorizing dates and names and places and sort of like the, you know, oh, you're going to write an essay, you know, sort of studying. I think that you can use it to, you know, um, improve your own internal world um, and and build more depth of, of character as well. And I think that that's one of the real reasons why it's important to study history.
0: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. It's one of those things where, you know, as, as you've correctly stated like you know you and I we are living in 2019 we're around the same sort of uh, age-ish I mean I'm I'm basically the generation of a millennial I'm you know a white male living in England my parents weren't super poor or anything and it's 2019 like for history if you even if I've had XYZ issues in my life like if you look at history of my life compared to 99.999% of everyone who's ever lived I've got it really fucking good <laughs> like you know I get to just hey do I want to travel to the other side of the world Yeah. Okay. I just have to work for a a few little bit, and then I could just go. Like, do I want to eat chocolate every single day for the rest of my life and nothing else? (laughs) I can do that. I should do that. I can do that. And it is that thing of like you know the the it is important as you say about perspective because I'm sure you agree in in both sides of the coin is on one side you've got to be grateful for what you have and the fact that you and I were born with such uh odds against us not even regarding the fact that you know all the sperm to fertilize the air gas being the one sperm of all that and the we grew up to this age and nothing horrendous like a big accidents happened to us but also just yeah that we've we've lived a life where we can have this ability to look into ourselves look introspectively look at history go to museums and stuff like a lot of people don't have that and it is it's so important to be grounded in that while also thinking you know there are people who have a similar life to me that have problems that aren't the bubonic plague you know people don't really have to worry about that anymore but people have right. to worry about mental illness but there's two those two examples obviously are very very uh, different things but it's like one has to try and have perspective where yeah if bad things happen to people you have to have empathy and you have to look at yourself and go you know these things can be uh, uh these issues for this, that, and the other reason. But also look at it with a lens of, although this stuff is really difficult or this stuff is causing me a lot of pain and things, it, I'm still really, really lucky. So if I can push through this, if I can, you know, get through this to the other side, I, I'm sure things will be better. And it, it's a, it's a very much a balancing act, but it becomes one where I think, especially as I've gotten older and the more I've traveled and spoken to people and had perspectives and things it is something that is so important to people today that they need to have perspective. And I think that's what common theme of this whole conversation is, sort of the perspective is of your own life as well as the world around you. It's it's so integral to living a a full life in a sense.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, And and to add on to what you're saying, um, I I think that when you, you know, one of the benefits of perspective is that when you study something like you know just to just to you know pull it out of thin air, you know, if you study something like World War II and think, wow, somebody was just uh, you know they were pulled into this incredibly just large and horrendous event, and they made it through, and then you know let's say they became uh, you know a musician or something, and they had a happy life. If someone can can get through that also in that era, you know not being able to uh, access the kind of capabilities through technology that we have now and still have an amazing life, I, you know, I have nothing to complain about. I can, I can, you know, push through these difficult things that have happened. Um, and I, you know, I think that there is that duality of, I don't think that may be the right word, but that, um, you know, those two sides of perspective as well as that, uh, you know, you can get through, through tough things because when they happen to us, um, you know, they do feel like the end of the world. They do feel very real and like they're in the moment. Um, so there is that, that, know the reason that you can get through it is because it's real and it's happening that um you can pull from that perspective to to detach and then and then push through it
0: yeah exactly it is it's it's a very good point that you put there yeah where it's like if someone can as you said go through the war one of those horrendous things that anyone can go through and come out the other side as a musician musician following their passions and it's like yeah why can't i do that why you know i can and it is motivating it it's a real good motivator and um with, with the wars, out uh, of interest, um, with World War One and World War II, are those in history, I, I can see by the sound things you're interested in sort of all aspects of history, but is it is it the more recent few hundred years uh, that kind of, uh, out, of all the, out of all history, if you could only study sort of one era, in a sense, yeah. would it be sort of, you know, the last couple hundred years of the modern civilized world? Would it be more so going back? to the more sort of industrial, like, you know, 1600s or not before that? Or is it more even ancient civilization? Is is there one that, for you as an individual, really kind of calls to you? It flares that spark of interest more than other eras do as much?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I do think that there is, I have a lot of passion for all, all kinds of history. And trust me, I can get sucked down the Wikipedia well, really. Easy. <laughs> and, and trust me, like when I write, I tell myself, no research, because there have been times where I'll just get pulled in. Um, but when it comes to if I had to choose uh, one era to study, I, th- I would have to choose um, probably the last hundred to two hundred years. Mm. Just not not just because it's so recent, but um, just because I think that you know when you do study things like ancient Rome, there are some things that they can get very precise, and they're like, hey, you know, we know this person built this building right here. You know, they have the date written on the building. You know, <laughs> but the rest of the time, you know, they don't have photographs. They don't have all these things that. You know, if you were to study, uh, like you know, history in the fifties or in the sixties or you know, even earlier, you know, they they do have film, they do have recordings. They can tell you what this person sounded like, how they walked, um, or what this event looked like. So mm. just for the just for the sole reason that you have more to work with and and there's less speculation and less um, theorizing about uh, how things may have been, probably the last uh, one to two hundred years. Yeah, I
0: mean, I'd be generally inclined to agree with you. I mean, obviously, um, and as I'm sure you agree, like looking at sort of yeah, ancient Egypt and the Romans, seeing how they managed to create things when the technology wasn't anywhere near it is today, that is mind-blowing. But when... I'm quite a, a nerd, in a sense, for, as you say, the specific detail, like really unnecessarily specific random details as you say not, not, not just like dates but like finding out that s- like some sort of history gem- like some sort of general in World War One, he did this or did that but then also he relaxed in the countryside had a dog called Buster and he drew this and you're like I didn't need to know that information because in the grand scheme of all of history you don't need to know but I love the fact that I can I love the fact yeah. that you can do a deep dive on like one history general and there's like a book written about him and there's like a documentary and it's like this one dude's life who, you know, it, it's that sort of thing and I think it is I would be inclined to agree with you like the also as you say with with the amount of information that is recorded is a lot easier to kind of fall down a rabbit hole uh, in that sense and it's th- being able to connect the the influence to what we live in today it is a lot easier when it's that that much closer and I can see obviously with the way you're talking about all these things that is a lot of it is the um almost like the the web like as in an actual like web of how all the different events and things kind of connect to us in in the middle the way things are at the moment why they're this way and why they're not that way is is interesting and i find um one of my things i love is um the sort of stories which are um i know there's a book about it and it's one of them is you know if kennedy never got assassinated what would Mm. the world have been like and there's a car was cool but it's a, a I forget the novel's name but um, there's one like that and there's other ones like I know there's a sci-fi show called Red Dwarf that I absolutely adore. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, it's,
1: no, I haven't. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's British and
0: it's really old so it's like um, it's really cheesy but there is an episode where they go to Earth and it was basically where Kennedy didn't get shot and everything's all weird and different and I, I like time-travelling things where they go back change one thing come back and everything's all mental and different like the butterfly effect and things like that. It is it is so interesting. It's like a really cool thought experiment And and one of the things I think that I will regret most when I when I die eventually, it's going to be not being able to see what we've got in front of us. You know, like if I die and I'm not necessarily a religious person, but let's say if I die, I go to heaven and God says, what do you want to do? And I go, I want to basically just sit in front of a TV or plug myself in and just go through all of human history and just see everything everyone gets up to, you know? And that's like my biggest regret of having being like, from what we understand it, a finite life form and just, you know, 80 odd years or so. If that, I'll be gone. But it's like, I just wish I could see what's going to happen. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I think that in you know, in that uh, love for humanity that history can make us have is also you know look look towards the future, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I like to think of you know current events as though they're historical. Like I like to think about Elon Musk. You know, in the future, you know, let's say you know in the thought experiment example that you know we end up going to Mars and all these different uh, places they're probably going to think of him as, you know, this great explorer. And the fact that we're living in the same time as him, Mm. I get to, you know, kind of pull from history and think, oh, there was somebody who thought of Columbus, you know, going across the sea. Like, oh, yeah, you know, okay, this guy's going to get on a boat and, you know, go experiment. And I think that one of the things that history does is that it also makes us more aware of the significance of things that are happening that are really big like that. Um, and also, you know, you can even go the other way and think, Hey, you know, there have been these, you know, these tyrants or these crazy people and, you know, look, we're still here. We're still alive. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what, you know, I, I think that people can get all, all, you know, worked up in a, they can just get all worked up about things that aren't incredibly important. And I think that when you look at history, you can you know, it just affirms that message of, hey, you know, let's focus on, on what's actually important, you know, because, you know, history does go on. You know, there have been these things that people, you know, got really amped up about in the past and nobody knows about, you know, no, and no one's ever heard yeah. it. And, uh, you know, who knows how much it's affected our lives, but that's also, you know, looking looking towards the future with history. I think it's one of those things that, that you can... You can draw from examples and think. You know what's happening now that has happened before, and you can you can sort of detach in a way and look at your own situation through history
0: and that's the end of part one thanks as always for tuning in guys um coming up next week with uh, adam we've got basically more of the same sort of thing that we were talking about you know perspective and traveling and things like that um but we also speak about his future as an author Uh, we talk about movies a little bit about tarantino and uh, takai watiti's new movie um we speak about sort of there's no spoilers by the way for the movies or anything like that we don't do spoilers on genuine chit chat um well i try my best not to we also speak about pushing through adversities to achieve goals, and the value of being empathetic, um the importance of exercise and self-care, like not and also you know not letting people ruin your day, just like in small things like road rage, that sort of stuff. Um but that's generally what you've got um coming up next week and lots of other things as well, but that's the general gist. Now, in the coming weeks, I've got another podcast lined up on Monday with another podcaster. Um which is really cool. So I can't I don't really want to you know jinx it like I try not to. Um and then also I've got um Yeah, I think Reese and I are going to be doing a podcast. Alex Hart's coming down for a podcast from Wales, I think, to an end-of-the-year movie podcast, we hope. I've got a couple of friends who are going to be starting up a podcast. They're going to be coming on the show too. So it's like lots of of people I know that are familiar that I can kind of more so confirm, but there's other people in the pipeline that I've got other ones sort of booked and ready. I've got a few for January already sorted out and another one, like a big collaboration I'm really chuffed about coming about. Hopefully – maybe February time. But, you know, lots of these things coming up um, that I can't obviously talk about too many of them, but they're just a uh, cool, fun thing, especially if you follow a lot of the podcasts that I speak about or share a lot on social media, that sort of thing. Um, That's always a good way of a hint to see sometimes who I'm going to sort of have on the show because I do like having people on the show if I listen to podcasts and I get into them and stuff. It's always good to reach out. Anyway, I'm rambling in a normal sense like I often do at the end. Sorry for someone new to the show. Uh, this is just what I do at the end. Basically, I just ramble on a little bit um normally unedited um i just cut out short bits if I just take ages to get my point across but yeah there's not that huge amount else to be honest with you I haven't got other things recorded that I'm necessarily gonna speak about as of yet uh sort of the recording schedule I'm trying to make sure I don't overdo it uh, but I've got a big collaboration coming out soon about Star Wars with a couple of other um podcasters which I'm really excited about so you know there are things in the pipeline that are being recorded and stuff while I'm being busy in the week. But, uh, yeah, that'll come to fruition in a couple of weeks. So be excited about that. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for me guys, but you know, be sure to really leave reviews on iTunes or wherever you really listen. It really helps if you're kind of listening to a few episodes here and there, and maybe it's worth subscribing just like I know it- I can't really ask you specifically to subscribe, but like if you do, it will auto-download the episodes, or you can even turn that off on the show, just so you've kind of got it in your podcast your app, and it just shows me pop up occasionally with some episodes that you may kind of be like, oh, I kind of feel like that sort of episode, or maybe just to keep an eye on my um, back catalogue of stuff, you know, just flick through if you fancy it. But obviously, no pressure at all uh, if you fancy it, and if you like this episode, obviously tune in for next week. That mean a lot, and uh, share it if you can, if you feel like it deserves it, and. Uh, yeah, I just appreciate anyone listening to my uh, little show. And I know that I can see obviously some of the numbers, you know, and things that I can see across the multitude of platforms and things. And it's, it makes me happy that the amount you guys listen to do. So I really appreciate that well, obviously sharing to more people is always appreciated. So, you know, thanks as always for tuning in guys. I really appreciate it. And um, well, I'll speak to you next week for part two.